Thank you all for joining us today. My name is Toral Patel from the Department of Inclusion and Belonging, and you are listening to the first episode of our brand new season of the Inclusive Excellence Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Hi, Bert. How have you been? I've been great. Thank you, Toral. How have you been? Good, good. You know, so we're back finally getting into the swing of things with the podcast. It's been it's been a little while since we've done one or released a new episode. Yeah, just from the spring to the fall. To that's, the fall. That's a normal thing. Mm-hmm. That's a normal thing. Yeah. I hope you had a good chance to relax, relate, release yeah. over the summer. Definitely, definitely. Ah, uh, great. Well, thank you everyone for joining us as we prepare to kick off a brand new season of the Inclusive Excellence Podcast. As you may or may not know that our Department of Inclusion and Belonging has gone through some exciting new changes over the last several months. So some of you may remember that we introduced you to Sonia Rucker, who is our new Associate Vice President. Uh, Bert and I introduced you to her in our last podcast. And so now it's our pleasure to introduce you to the newest member of the Inclusion and Belonging team, Erin Sember-Chase. Yay! Yay! Erin joined our team in April as a DEI, so Diversity, Equity, Inclusion Learning Consultant. So welcome, Erin, to the team. We're so excited to have you here. And some of you may actually remember Erin as one of our interviewees in our last season. So Erin, hi, it's so good to have you back. It is so good to be back. You know, I got bit by the podcast bug (laughs) when I talked to Olivia last fall. So, yeah, how excited was I that now I can actually, this can actually be my job. Very exciting. Yeah, we're so happy to have you. I've been in like a lot with you for a long time. I'm just going to say it. (laughs) (laughs) Feeling mutual. Thank you. So, Erin, just for some of our listeners who, you know, haven't had a chance to listen to your last podcast, Mm -hmm. could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your journey into working in the diversity and equity inclusion space? Oh, absolutely. All right. Well, um, when I was with you all before, I was working in student disability services uh, at Cornell, which I very much enjoyed working in that role. I guess I was in that office for about seven years. But, you know, on July 1st of this year marked my 20th anniversary at Cornell. Wow. Uh, yeah, wow, 20 I know. years. I've, I've outlasted many, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know that feeling. That's a milestone, Erin. It is Congratulations. a milestone. Yeah. It is. I even got a fancy email from the president. <laughs> yeah, it was very exciting. So, yes, 20 years at Cornell. So I've, I've had a few different jobs since I've been at Cornell. Interestingly, I started out in residence life. I was a residence hall director, so shout out to all those people who live where they work and work where they live. I remember that vividly, and there's no small feat. And then I moved from there over to the IOR school, where I worked in the Employment and Disability Institute. And I was there for seven years as well. So I guess there's a pattern here. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, about six or seven years in all my jobs. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, as I said, student disability services and and now with you all. And, you know, I have to be honest, when I think to maybe five years ago, if somebody had told me, oh, you're not going to be working with students that much longer, you're going to totally change your jobs, I don't know that I would have believed them because I have been working with students for so long. But, you know, like everybody over these last couple of years, I think I've gone through my own changes of thinking about, okay, where do I see myself best contributing next? 
And what do I see myself doing? How can I, you know, make a lot of things better? <laughs> um, and I think because I've been at Cornell so long, I have seen a lot of people come and go. I've seen a lot of good people come and go, staff in particular. And I have realized through some of the various efforts that I've been involved with over the years that I actually was doing a lot more in the, in the diversity and inclusion space than I realized, even outside my job, right? So for as long as I can remember, I've been involved in different social justice-oriented committees and work groups and, and events and programs, right? All kinds of things to try to help make our campus, you know, feel a little bit more inclusive and a little bit more equitable for everybody. Working on various things over my time here, and seeing different things and experiencing different things. You know, I've come to realize how important staff are to the university. We really do help make this place run, yeah. right? We really do help make the, in many ways, we're going to outlast a cohort of students, right? And students obviously are the, are the, you know, the reason we're here. We're going to reason this university exists. But I really think staff are the reason why it keeps running, <laughs> you know, why we're able to do what we do for the students. And, so I guess what I'm trying to say is that I just came to realize I'm at a point in my career where I wanted to sort of shift my focus and my efforts to helping to make this a better place for staff, you know, a better workplace, a better culture, a better campus, and whatever little way I could from, you know, whatever position I have, I just sort of wanted to channel those efforts in a different way. Yeah, that's, I think that's a great reason to kind of switch positions and do what you're doing. and. And I agree with you that, I, you know, I agree that we students are the reason why we're here. And I love the way you said that, you know, staff are the ones that make this place run, right? And it's a great outlook into why you, why you do this work. Yeah. Actually, Erin, something you said at the very beginning um, of your introduction reminded me of a saying about, you know, you, you, you called a shout out to all the residence life individuals who, who live where they work and work where they live. Mm -hmm. And I remember, what is that? There's a saying that says, like, you know, sometimes people say, oh, I... I work to live, I don't live to work. And I think that just kind of gives a whole new meaning to people that actually do live where they work, yes, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yep, exactly. And you know, it's interesting to get your start in res life. There's a lot of people that go on to other types of positions in a university that I think, like me, will really credit that first job in res life, but really giving you a good overall exposure to the university because you're working with so many different offices, faculty. Mm -hmm places and and you're really seeing the students at some of the most real moments uh right because you don't just have them for 45 minutes in your class or for an hour in your office like you, you you're with them where they live you're with them where they relax and it really gives you sort of that perspective of, of how they experience this campus and, and again i you know i go back to what i said before that knowing that for many students this is a home for four years maybe longer that gives us even more, I think, of a responsibility to think about, you know, what type of home are we creating yeah. for them and for those of us that are here to support that home. And I really have come to realize that if the staff don't feel a real sense of connection and a real connection to the purpose of this university and don't feel part of that overall vision of making this an inclusive place, the students will feel that. They will feel the negative effects if the staff aren't feeling it and aren't happy and aren't really trusting um, the, the environment. So that's the bizarre thing about, I think, doing this job is that I see it as still a way to impact students. Mm -hmm. It's just impacting them through a different doorway. 
than I was before. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad you mentioned, as Toral said, the shout out to the people you worked with a long mm-hmm. time ago, because as with you, I've been here a while and it is that journey through all of the different people you've met and yeah. work with over the years that make it a, can we use the phrase work home? Because you do spend, you yeah. do spend a significant <laughs> amount of time yes. with the people here. Mm-hmm. In relation to the amount of time you get to spend with your family. That's so, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, from a DEI perspective, I can honestly say that it was those first couple of years working in Res Life that I got my own education to the DEI space, too. And I think that's important to say because, you know, if you think of a department like Residence Life, you wouldn't think, you wouldn't equate that to being a DEI space. But in fact, <laughs> that, you know, we very much prioritize having those conversations educating ourselves so that we could then turn around and educate the students to the best of our ability. And, you know, I'm going to be honest, when I came to Cornell, I already had my master's degree. I had already worked professionally for a while, but it wasn't until I was in this, in this environment that I was having conversations around concepts like privilege and oppression and social justice. Those were honestly brand new terms to me before I came to Cornell. But I, again, I credit being in a working environment where those conversations were just sort of happening organically and naturally, and people were always trying to think of the spaces we were creating for our students from that vantage point that I got my own eyes opened to a lot of things that I had never thought about before, that I had never considered before about maybe what I'm doing to help create that type of space or what I'm not doing that I should be doing. You know, that sort of thing. And uh, yeah, so I really do, I credit that greatly with my own kind of giving me the education I needed and the awareness to then want to dive into it even more. Yeah, I actually love exactly what you just said, Erin, because I am a wholehearted believer in this idea that, you know, when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion, it's not just a few people's responsibility. It's not just this office here, like Mm -hmm. our office of inclusion and belonging or another office on campus. I, I do believe that it takes all of us, yep. uh, right? And it, that it's part of all of our responsibilities because we're all responsible for the culture that we create. And to your point earlier where, you know, for the students that are here for four years or even a little bit longer than four years, this is their home. Mm-hmm. And what is the environment that they're walking into, right? And and the environment that they're leaving. And so I believe that all of us contribute to that, not just the few of us that are responsible for doing this That's type right. of work. And in some ways, I would argue more. Yeah. <laughs> right? We're contributing to it more when we're just, you know, a regular person working in a regular place, interacting with other people. Absolutely. As I've been here at Cornell, like you, Aaron, I wasn't aware of the work that is done in the DEI space. Uh And it has been an education like the pandemic. It was like, well, you know, from from George Floyd on, I mean, it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, there's a lot I need to learn. Mm -hmm. And most of what you need to learn are things that, whether you knew it or not, it relates to what you need Mm -hmm. and the people around you need. And just a different way of seeing the world. And I think without DEI, it would not be the nicest place that you, you want to be in. Yeah. 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 
And I can also understand why you said that there was so much of this in res life, right? Mm-hmm. Because imagine the the types of students that are coming from, we have students here from all over the world with all kinds of backgrounds coming into one space. And so I can see how much of this learning is happening in residence life, not only for the staff that are there, but definitely for our students as well. Yep. For whatever reason, I'm remembering too. So you know, sometimes when people end up in res life, it's because they have maybe gone to school for something like student affairs, right? Right, college student personnel, even housing. You could get a degree in housing. I had none of that. Right. <laughs> I did not have any of that. My college degree and graduate degree is in psychology. Right. But my first job out of school was to work in an adult mental health group home. So there was individuals anywhere from as young as 18 to as old as 80 who lived in this space, shared this living space, who all had diagnoses of some sort of mental health condition. And a group home was really meant to be a place where it was sort of your next stop before hopefully being able to live independently, being able to move out on your own, right? So we really worked with them on skills around budgeting and and learning how to cook for yourself and shop and getting yourself to and from appointments and keeping track of your medications and all that. And it was just a fluke that I, I don't know, I visited some friends at Alfred University, which is even more upstate, if you can believe it, than we are. Um, I visited some friends there. I was getting ready to be all done with my degree. I didn't want to stay in that town forever, so therefore I didn't want to stay at the group home forever. So I was looking to move on, looking to go someplace else, but honestly didn't know what I wanted to do. Despite having my graduate degree, I'm like, I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. And I met some people, and they were like, they worked in res life at Alfred University. They're like, you should totally come and work with us. You know, this is the coolest job ever. And I'm like, I so should. If you haven't guessed it by now, we were out. We were having a good time. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm totally going to do that. So I I don't care what the job was, but it sounded cool and they were cool. And so I, you know, sent an email to the director and, and he said, yeah, come in. Let's have a conversation. And he basically asked me a valid question as he's looking at my resume. Why do you think you can do residence life? <laughs> There's nothing in your, <laughs> your resume, nothing. And I said, well, you know, I beg to differ. I said, I work in a mental health group home. Is it really that much different than a residence hall? You're talking about a bunch of people who are trying to live together, who don't know each other, who are coming from all different parts of life, doing all different spaces, so to speak, in their own life, and their own journey. And you're trying to teach them how to behave, how to, you know, abide house rules, how to clean up after themselves. Is it really that much different? And he's like, that's a really good point. I never thought of that. He's like, all right, you're hired. So that's how I ended up in res life. Yep. But to your point, you reminded me of that because, again, it's the same concept of a bunch of people coming together who might be very different than one another, who have various levels of previous experience and exposure with people who are different. Even though the, all those individuals had mental health disorders, that does not mean they all had the same lived experience, right? Yeah. They also had other identities that intersected with how they no- negotiated the world and how they navigated things. And, and so, yeah, I think you could almost say that about any place we work. We're coming together with a bunch of people that are bringing whatever they're bringing to the table, and it causes all of us to have to stop and think, like Boot said, how do I want to be in this space? What kind of space do I want to help create for them and for me? That's an amazing attitude. And I, I could definitely see that just having that kind of attitude and that kind of outlook 
Cornell has, you know, the 20 years, you know, plus that you've been here, Cornell has definitely benefited, right, from, from somebody having that kind of attitude. So as we kind of look into this new adventure that you're taking on within our department, Erin, mm-hmm. can you tell our listeners a little bit about some of the responsibilities that you'll be taking on? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm very excited to be taking a little bit more of a role with some of our, what I like to call, you know, our learning opportunities. Right. So whether you want to call that a training, a workshop, a facilitated discussion, whatever you want to call it. And when it comes down to it, I'm trying to create space and opportunity to bring people together, whether it's in person, whether it's over Zoom, whatever it might be, to just learn about each other, about different topics of consideration, about, you know, ways of, again, negotiating our campus, but also learn about the things that would help us to, in our roles, create a space that feels more inclusive for our colleagues, for ourselves, for the people that we serve, that sort of thing. So short of the lot of it, I will be hopefully facilitating some trainings, some workshops. I'm going to be coordinating a large part of our annual summit, the Inclusive Excellence Summit, that happens every spring. So we've already started to convene a planning group to talk about that. I'm very excited to see how that takes shape over the next several months. And then, of course, these podcasts, which I'm not going to lie, was a big draw in the job posting. Yeah. <laughs> um, when I was little, I, or maybe not little, I have to be honest, I was probably older than little. I remember thinking how cool it would be to have like my own radio show yeah. or something like that. So so you're, you're fulfilling a childhood dream here. There you go. Uh, which is very exciting. But yeah, Twirl and I have been talking and I've been giving a lot of thought to what to focus our next round of podcast on, which I'm really excited about. Yeah, so that actually perfect segue into my <laughs> next question for you, which is, can you share a little bit about what the upcoming season of the podcast is going to include? Yeah, absolutely. So I definitely have spent time listening to all the prior yes. podcasts and really enjoying hearing the way that you and Anthony and Bert and before them, Sharon and, you know, Cornell, right? It's a nice legacy of people that have really put these podcasts together and What I have appreciated about them is that they have all hit on topics that we don't necessarily always dive deep into in the workspace, but yet they have a clear connection (laughs) to the work environment, which I think is important. So I don't want to lose that. I definitely want to keep that momentum going. At the same time, I'm who I am, and I'll be totally honest that for me, at least for this first year, I'm a big one for feeling like I have sort of the central theme that I'm working with and then can really have a series of conversations that help lend themselves to that theme. So the theme I'm sort of going into this year with is, what is inclusion and belonging really? And if you were looking at the word, it would be bolded, it'd be italicized, you know, really. What is inclusion and belonging? Because like so many DEI words, I think that those words too have become a little overly used. (laughs) We lost the meaning. We've lost the meaning of what they actually mean. We've also lost the complexity that they mean different things to different people and, and what they look like. And so what my goal is, is to really have conversations with various Cornellians, mostly anyway, Cornellians across campus, to talk about what inclusion and belonging means to them, what it looks like when they feel included and they feel a sense of belonging, but also what they have perceived gets in the way of that, of feeling that sense of inclusion and belonging, particularly in the workplace, and really trying to dive deep. Because I believe that Cornell is a place that really does want their staff, all their staff, to feel a sense of inclusion and belonging, but 
we have to know when it's not working well, too, and what might be getting in the way of that. And I'd like to use these podcasts as a chance to sort of dig into that a little bit. So we're going to talk to people who have various experiences with that. Also people who work in other spaces that really have a lot of impact on workplace inclusion. We want to hear from them, too. What are they seeing? What are they experiencing? What do they think works really well that other people could learn from? And what do they think we could be doing better? You know, so forth. So that's sort of my vision for, for the upcoming year. So here at Cornell, the entire community has had the opportunity to go through some modules mm-hmm. on uh, inclusion and belonging. And I think that just having that an entire community of people, I think, is, is really important. And even learning in those series of modules, as long as people feel like they belong, as long as people feel like they're included, they are so much more efficient. Even. Mm -hmm. And hopefully, we won't be part of the other trend we've seen around the country of Uh people phoning in their jobs. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'm just going to do what it says and that's it. But I think uh, having a community which you can develop in this kind of situation, I think, is, is really important for the efficiency of Cornell for now and into the future. That's a very good point, but yeah. And I will say, I'm looking forward to these conversations. I think they're going to be amazing because you're exactly right. We've used the word inclusion, belonging, diversity, equity, you know, multiple times. And yet I think what we miss out on is this is this idea and concept that it all means different things to different people, mm-hmm. right? And so I love it when you said we're just going to talk to Cornelians and talk about what belonging means to them, right? And it doesn't have to be the same as what belonging means to the rest of us or, or any one of us individually. And so I, I love that. And so then we take that to the next level and say, okay, so then what happens when each of us has a different idea of belonging yeah. and we all show up to work together, right? I am excited to kind of explore that further with each of our guests as, as we move forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think they've also become concepts that can sometimes feel a little daunting mm-hmm. to people. And in some ways, we've overcomplicated some of it. You know, I, I definitely have heard from colleagues who have said, particularly over these last couple pandemic years, Do they just feel like some of our basic sense of humanity has been a little bit forgotten? And then that comes from, I think, forgetting, again, that some of this is a lot more simpler than you think and also a lot more within your control than you think. To create good inclusion and belonging isn't always about waiting for the top down to tell you, you know, what to do and how to do it. Sometimes it could come from within you, and I think we've lost some of that sense of empowerment. Uh, and I guess, I, you know, that's another one of my goals is I'd like to see us remind ourselves <laughs> of what, you know, we all have within us to be able to create that sense of inclusion for ourselves and also for one another. Erin, welcome to the team. We're so excited to have you. I'm so excited. Thank Yay. you. Yay. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to today's episode of the Inclusive Excellence Podcast. We're looking forward to kicking off our brand new season with our brand new co-host. My name is Toral Patel. And I'm Erin Sambuchase. And until next time, we'll see you then. Be sure to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and submit a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps new listeners find us and the show. For latest updates on diversity, equity, and inclusion at Cornell, be sure to visit diversity.cornell.edu. I would also like to give a special shout out, as always, to our amazing sound engineer, Bert Odom-Reed. Thanks, Thanks, Bert. Bert.